bliss Fly together, fly together, fly together You can be my love, sweet love I know your pretty feathers, it don't matter the weather Just you and me together, we'll fly, 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 fly forever Let's fly together, fly together, fly together You can be my love, sweet love I know your pretty feathers, it don't matter the weather Just you and me together, we'll fly, 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 fly forever Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the SBP, the Swim Bros Podcast. I am your host, Grant House, and the singular Swim Bro on this podcast, as Kyle House is joining us in spirit from across the country. So, Kyle, thank you for joining us in spirit. But I got a lot of different questions from some listeners last episode, and really interesting questions. I didn't expect to get these uh, right off the bat. And uh, really appreciate the feedback, really appreciate the, the commentary and the engagement uh, from the listeners. So really excited about that uh, stuff on regards to what it's like from being on a college team to now join the pro team and going from an NCAA athlete to a professional athlete uh, for swimming sake, at least the swimming world um, would know about this. But the Olympic trials ticket prices Pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting aspect thus far. And then also just some unpopular opinions I have. So apparently people want to know about that. So hopefully I can spark some controversy on this one and uh, get some people both uh, astonished, shocked, outraged, and maybe pleasantly happy. Who knows? So we'll get to that at the end. But similar to last episode, I kind of want to start off, you know, being an ASU alumni now. Uh, the Pac-12 near and dear, or formula Pac-12, but ASU, regardless of whatever conference they're in, near and dear to my heart. So I want to start off on a similar trend as we did last week with uh, new emerging uh, reports from media sources. This is from the Bleacher Report, but again, going to be my own guy in the chair, as we would say if, uh, for Tom Holland in the Spideyverse. But uh, Stanford willing to join ACC at reduced or no media payouts for several years. Now, that is almost astonishing to me. Uh, pretty crazy and very interesting. Obviously, they're private institutes, so maybe that's kind of why. Probably sitting on a lot of um, endowments, a lot of funding. But really interesting. Again, ACC predominantly being an East Coast team, uh, a lot of travel fees, a lot of travel costs, a lot of transportation for athletes and families. And like we started off last, I, I really I really think the narrative needs to shift to asking these student athletes what what they can do or, or providing insight. Obviously, the administration has a lot to do with organizing all these. But again, the athletes are the reason the game's happening. The game is not happening. The matches, the meets, the competitions aren't happening without the athletes. And I think we forget that a lot. But for Stanford to make this claim basically is just very insulting to the remainder of the Pac-12. Essentially, in my mind, just saying that why are we even a conference anymore? And it's really interesting that to just to go out of their way to say, you know, basically we just don't even want to be in this grouping anymore. We see it as just not even useful and we see an opportunity elsewhere with the ACC to be even more beneficial for us if we're not getting paid. So that's pretty crazy to me. And to also see that they're not asking for any media rights or media payouts, um, probably in light of the Pac-12 network being as atrocious as it has been with coverage of some of the best Olympic sports that the Pac-12 is dominant in, wrestling, golf, swimming, you know, only showing not every, uh, only a couple sessions of our Pac-12 meet, Stanford renowned powerhouse in swimming, um, especially before 2000, uh, early 2000s as well. 
But, you know, some of the best athletes we've ever had for swimming have come from Stanford and uh, the Pac-12 as well. So really interesting for Olympic sports overall. But Stanford, who recently went through a huge uh, spiel of, you know, cutting sports, bringing them back within the last several years. Really interesting to see them opt to take reduced pay um, and also no media payouts. So for a school cutting sports and then bringing it back, very interesting strategy, very interesting outlook. And for several years down the line, an unknown and ambiguous number, really interesting to see how that impacts the landscape of what conference they join, if the ACC will still be a conference, and how many athletes are pursuing there. You know, obviously the academia will be prestigious at Stanford University, but We'll see what the athletics stand front looks like in years to come, especially if it's, you know, athletes coming from the Bay Area, coming in state, which uh, the state tuition cost for California schools is very generous, very ideal, and a large reason why a lot of California athletes and students stay in town. And so I think it's really an important aspect to kind of track this as time goes on and to see how how this unfolds. And only time will tell, you know, just like we're pursuing the landscapes with NIL, we will see what opportunities prevail themselves, not even just for athletes, but now different schools and above that, the NCAA and what the Power 5, Power 4, Power 3, maybe it's just going to be an East-West Bowl, uh, Key and Peele style, Hingle McCringleberry. Stanford University, that'd be a tagline. So we'll be interested to see what it's going to turn into. I think it'll just eventually turn into a professional landscape with a cut in half, basically east, west, north, south, whatever one, whatever you want to shake it out to be. But it's going to be interesting, you know, how this is going to change in five, ten years if the NCAA is even around, what conferences are even around, is there a players association, is there a player union, what is really going to happen? There's going to be a lot of shakeup. And the remaining leaders from Stanford, California, Oregon State, and Washington State really seeing what opportunities are available. Because now that the decisions have been made, the ball is kind of in their court to figure out what they want to do, where they want to move, and what's going to be best. Um, Obviously, Washington State and Oregon State, in my mind, have a little bit less foundation to stand off of. But who knows? Maybe they can surprise some people, shake up, and become the next powerhouse in football, basketball, or Hey, they want to drop into swimming. Please, love another program to be added out there. But that's that for conference NCAA news. Just some kind of shakeup with uh, some press released. Uh, That was, again, from the Bleach Report and some other notable resources as well. Really some other headlines too. But that's the main gist of that. And so on to some of the questions that I was sent uh, after the last episode, you know, joining the college college team six years ago, six and a half, six, and, you know, going through that process and now being still at Arizona State in Tempe Town, ASU, and joining the pro team here, uh, about 15 or 14 people strong, very stout, deep, and amazing group of individuals for sure. I'm very grateful to be here um, and to, I like to think, be a, a large reason with Coach Bowman and Herbie why there's a lot of tracking with the pro team here now for the success that ASU's had and the athletes we brought in, but also the success that we've had too. So it's definitely an uplifting aspect to see that every day and to see the college team. Uh, It's very cool. But, you know, the summer was definitely an interesting aspect, definitely a little bit of limbo. 
um, a little inception action, um, kind of trans transitioning from, you know, being a part of this entity for six years and then really tapping into this idea and this entity of doing it for myself and doing it for me and really what I want out of the sport. And I think a lot of us want immediate results. And for me, I think it's, yes, the immediate results, but also looking at the long game, like I'm only 25 years young and I feel like I enjoy the sport more than I ever have and I'm getting better results than I ever have. And at an exponential level, you know, I've, I've really come when I've had a lot of change starting St. X, amazing year, short course and long course, starting ASU, a pretty good year, short course, and then even better exponentially long course in 2018. And then continuing on seeing success every year after that. It's really interesting. And then to, to get to Herbie's group and to kind of write the ship again, per se, um, get back to some more best times, some of my personal best times, and then really excelling the season after 2020 to 2021, seeing success at Olympic trials, and then also really just blowing up on my short course season for me and my personal success. I don't think I, I shattered world records or anything like that. I, I know I didn't, and I, I, I did personally best for, for what I consider and for my process. And that was really cool to see that improvement in such large percentiles across that time after so many years in the sport and you know to get to this point now like this summer was pretty challenging um a very very adverse phase but you know i i I really sat in this couple months of really trying to figure out where i was what i wanted to do is this still what i wanted to do anymore and and really kind of got stuck in this in this spot and i think it was really just because of how much energy this last six years has, has taken out of me and, and, and how much I wanted to give too, like how much I wanted to put into this process of creating a powerhouse that is now ASU that we are having world champions come and swim on our team and we are producing world champions as well. So that's a huge aspect for what I've wanted and wanted to get out and put into this university as well. You know, ideally I'd love for it to be me. I'd love for it to be the Olympic champion, the world record holder, the world champion, but that hasn't happened yet. And that's okay um, because I've improved. I've seen a lot of the world. I've made great friends and I've, you know, most importantly seen actualize greater versions of myself every year and every season and learn something new every season. So I think that's really powerful. I think I didn't value that enough when I was younger, uh, especially, you know, coming into college, very bright eyed and, uh, and eager having, um, captain's telling me to slow down and warm up and and take it easy to the point now where just a nice loose in 200 is what gets the job done for me so we've come a long way so as uh, most of the listeners hopefully had tuned into the captain series thank you andrew pat reed CeeLo, for enlightening me on uh proper proper warm-up logic and etiquette so but it's been it's been an interesting aspect you know i think there's been this what I was really journaling the other day was this trough of adversity and now moving into this wave of success. And really, when we reflect on our own journeys and when I reflect on my own journey, that's that's really the amplitude of life. You know, we have these troughs of adversity, the bottoms, and then we get to the crest, the, the highest peak that we may have. But it's all just this frequency that keeps repeating. And, and for me, that trough of adversity has felt like a, a wave of success, you know, just because it just felt like I was so bogged down, 
dealing with lack of motivation and drive for really the first time ever. I think most people knowing me, I'm a very type A go-getter type of guy. And uh, to to have the drive and motivation aspects and issues and Dow was unique for me. It was was very unique for me. And it was different. It It was a different side of me that I had to work on. And, you know, I think a lot of the wave of success, I think a lot of people forget this part. And this is so huge. This is so huge. This next part is, and I kind of got lost in the sauce a little bit too, is, you know, this wave of success that I'm feeling at least, and I'm experiencing, you know, I had a great, what I perceive as a great meet at Irvine, uh, some best times actualizing my greatest self. And just also just the day to day, waking up, going to bed, happy with who I am, prouder of who I am, enjoying it, seeing my friends, seeing the world, going out what I'm doing, pursuing my passions, like at the end of the day, those are what set the great achievements in line. It's not once we achieve great things that everything else is going to become in alignment. And really this wave of success is thanks to that trough of adversity and the work that was going on during that adversity phase and recognizing that and journaling that. That's how I remind myself and having people in my life that remind me of that constantly. Jack Little, Alexander Gusev, Jacob Hemerly, my the, the best one, bro, Kyle House. And really just leaning on them and, and th- like being super grateful for, for what they have to offer me. And it's really that work during that adverse phase that it didn't seem like a straight line exactly. It didn't seem like success was being made. But the wave of success that you now see, and maybe it's a month, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a couple of days, maybe it's years, had that thought too. Maybe the, the, this wave of success is just a just a little crashing before – for the big tsunami hits. So who knows? You never know. But you just got to balance and, and keep riding that frequency and the different amplitude from trough to crest of adverse adversity and and your successes. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, really grateful for it. And, and just the time since Indianapolis Nationals taking three weeks off and giving my mind, body, spirit, and my, and my body, I'd say. I'd say I got a lot of rest in the phases of taper into Indy and notice how strongly I responded to that. And then going into Irvine again and getting another bout of rest, really how much that did for my body. And, you know, just hopping in the water, I would get 200 to 500 meters in and just kind of lose motivation. Just nothing was strenuous. Nothing was hard, but I just lose the drive and motivation. It was really peculiar to me and really perplexing as well to figure that out. And just to deal with that, just to wrestle with that and to, to have to, to balance that obstacle and to learn along the way, because it's not what I'm typically used to. It's, it's typically coach Bowman telling me to, to calm down or to chill out or not to do more. Um, that was a, that was a discussion we had before pack 12s and after pack 12s or mainly after and before NCs of grant, I just want you to do nothing. And, uh, sometimes that's hard for me to do, but really listening to his mentorship and Herbie's as well, um, getting into that orientation of balancing and putting you know, all the eggs in one basket and just focusing on that, being present with that rather than trying to do everything when it's really going to start to subtract. You know, I, I'm a big believer in um, addition by subtraction. And sometimes uh, I think a lot of the listeners will know by now that I'm not really a big New Year's resolution guy. I think that's very overblown and overrated. So... Maybe that's my first unpopular opinion, uh, but for me, it's really been subtracting what I'm doing and finding what I can provide more quality to instead of expanding into more quantity. And so that's 
my method of self-improvement a lot the last couple of years. But yeah, I've really found this good groove afterwards moving into this new phase of a professional swimming or pro swimming, non-collegiate swimming, and really leaning into myself more, what makes me better, and not just kind of super colliding with these other journeys, other processes that other people are on and just trying to figure out what's what's new for me. Like it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. You know, the pro group started back a week before I joined and I didn't even know because I didn't even check the group message because I, I just really check out. Like one of the biggest things is I just tune out the people who need to know where I'm at, know where I'm at and everyone else. Like, I'm sorry. Not really. I know I'm not sorry, but better luck trying to reach out to me. You'll probably have to FaceTime me or call me if you want to connect with me or find out where I'm at in the world. But I had to laugh. I didn't even know the week of training had started. I was still at home. I was uh, doing a swim clinic with Josh Flagle and in St. Charles, Columbus, Ohio. And so it was, that was a great experience and great time at home. But just kind of came back. And, you know, this week I'm, I'm doing singles. Uh, the group did it last week, but I'm doing singles Monday through Friday, weekend off. And really just trying to keep reminding myself it's a great practice every day of what is going to make my long-term game? What is going to make me best in 11 months? What is going to make me best in four years and 11 months, ideally? And to seeing what I can really do um, when I lean into my process and rather than always following into a constraint of an NCAA season. So it's very challenging. It's very hard every day. Um, it's very, uh, sometimes there's some doubts, but you know, the last like four practices I've been with the pro group, just really leaning into myself, focusing on my details and my development and just leaning on other people to for competition advice and mutual respect and support along the way um you know getting to train with like jay and and, and people like that every day is really exciting you know xander skinner very uplifting i uh, see a smile every day and get it like support and a, and a hug and just kind of go through this journey together is very uplifting and, and to really focus on this aspect of uh, do I want to be like the best right now or do I want to be the best in 11 months? And I think I got away from that a lot in the last couple of years. And I, after training with Herbie, I, I really think that the way you organize it, you can be fast now and faster later. You can be better now and better later. You don't have to have them exclusively one or the other. I think there's a time to train and there's a time to perform. But I also think those kind of super collide and those interconnect and, and the invisible thread that ties those together is each person's individual process. You know, what works for Chase doesn't work for me. What works for Reagan doesn't work for me all the time. But do we do similar sets? Yeah, we've done the same sets the last four days. And will we do the same sets all year? No. Will they do the same strokes on all their sets? No. And I think that's most important for athletes to really tap into. And I think it it's hard in early age because then you just feel like you're ignorant, cocky, or stubborn, uh, and athletes need to listen to their coaches. So this all started with a conversation with Herbie before I got back in the water and I actually came to a practice and then talked with them afterwards to set out my tentative plan, see what our thoughts are, and to kind of organize our, our general outline and be on the same page because that's one of the most important things is I think whenever I haven't communicated my feelings or thoughts with Bob or Herbie, that's when I've had the most internal distress and just really breaking down that wall finally, that personal win, that personal development to open up the communication as, as wide as I can regardless of, of what I might think they have or thoughts of me 
and just communicating how I how I feel and and what I'm thinking and what the process might look for me in my mind and what's going on up there in my heart and soul. And then just talking it out with them and breaking it down as to how can I be the best version of myself. Uh, I'm not representing ASU, the school anymore, and just really representing Grand House and trying to make the these these Team USA teams and actualize the greatest version of myself. You know, maybe I go a 142.9 and two other people go 140, 142.7, 142.8. I... Think I'm gonna be pretty happy still at the end of the day, even if I'm not representing Team USA on an individual event. And so that's something that like has definitely brought a lot of joy into my heart. And maybe this is a soapbox at this point, but I, I hope this answers the question and, and gives some more insight into the dynamics, the mental states, the physical states of of the pro and college transition. Of you know, once you get out of the NCAA season, there's really no defined constraints of the season like you know starting in august with practices and going till march now it's a whole 12 12 months it's a longer longer duration and i think that bodes to be a more gradual and moderate increase and i think that's one thing that i've never done in the past and when i have done it in the past and seen it i've really seen great results and so really leaning into that aspect of being more gradual with it and being more tentative with training per se and executing it and being present rather than always adding on more is something that I really want to lean into now that I have the opportunity. And I think one of the aspects too is I think it's always been the case, but I'm really like recognizing it now, now that I don't have the team kind of to buffer the safety net around me. And it's that really it's, it, it falls a lot on me. Like my process is ownership with me and then the people that I want to work with, Herbie, Bob, ASU, uh, the strength coaches, dietitian, Erica Biney, like these different individuals that I'm grouping together, dietitians, Don Weatherwax, these, these individuals that I want to collaborate with and work with to uplift myself is really kind of what I'm leaning into right now. And then the words of Tim, Tim Bierman, certified goat of high school coaching and just life experiences, uh, a monk literally served in a monastery for several years. Um, and my teacher at St. X and head coach my last two years and also the head director of the ministry at St. X, uh, taught me meditations class, but he always just, he told me in my last visit home to really lean into grant and lean into the joy. And that's something that I've been journaling every day and focusing on. And I can positively say that uh, thanks to that message, I have been more than ever. And that makes me a happy clam, as they say, simply put. So hopefully that answers that a little bit. And uh, transitioning into the next topic is Olympic trials tickets. You know, we talked about the 11-month plan. Why Why 11 months, Grant? Well, I'll tell you. 11 months is the U.S. Olympic trials 2024 in Indianapolis. All great racers go to Indy. Stamp it. Put it on, put it on my gravestone, inject it into my veins, tattoo it wherever you want to put it. It's just a fact of life at this point. And what some people might not realize is the Indianapolis Olympic Trials is actually not going to be at IU Natatorium, formerly known as Uwe Pui. And it will be actually in Lucas Oil Stadium, which is just electric, the absolute electric factory. Um, doing a flip turns in the tutties. Flip turns in the end zone. Andrew Luck 
Peyton Manning just catching dimes as I as I do these flip turns for 100 freestyle and 200 freestyle. And for those milers, they're going to be racking up the receiving yards. That's for sure. So it'll be cool. It'll be neat. It'll be uh, nice to be back in the Midwest grit for Olympic trials. Uh, no Omaha steak, no Omaha uh, meats anymore, but I guess we'll replace it with some good old corn. So corn and basketball. But excited for that, and some of the some of the talk has been that the Olympic trial tickets have just been exponentially, exponentially overpriced, um, and it's really I think taking away from the viewership of the sport. I think there's a lot of people that are hesitant to buy them because they can't afford them, they can't afford these full session passes, and I think it really falls on USA Swimming to kind of recognize that, see their demographics. Yes, Carmel, Hamilton, Southeastern. Fishers, Indianapolis, some people like those direct communities will be able to pay for it. But it's not all too often that these athletes are all going and going to have support there. And I think the aspect too that swimming professionally is not the most financially supportive option that a lot of people can do. Um, You know, like walking out of college, I had two, at least two, two job offers of over... $70,000. $70,000. And I'm not saying that to brag, but it's just reality. Like if you're, if you're a swimmer and you're an athlete and you're an athlete of any kind, you have options. And if you hold yourself to a high standard, like I choose to do, then you have a lot more options. And for me to kind of put that aside, because I want to pursue my dreams and passion, like a lot of people would laugh at like, oh, wow, that is that man. He doesn't get it. What is he thinking? Idiot, idiot sandwich as Gordon Ramsay would say. So uh, but that's just, I don't know. For me, this is what I want to pursue in my life. And when there's athletes that don't have that option and, and come from harder backgrounds, you know, where their families can't afford these things all the time or they can't afford full sessions or maybe it's just a day that they can come watch, that'd be great if it is. But I really think to increase the viewership, engagement, interactions with the fans, that uh, they need to begin to understand what's going to put butts in seats, uh, simply put, from a branding and ticketing ticketing sales ticketing engagement uh, revenue options and really learning from what I, I gained in the MSLB program this year the sports law and business where the issue is really finding that threshold you know that that graph where it's too high and too low of okay if I put the price up price ceiling too high and people aren't going to buy them but if I put it too low I'm leaving some on the table but Really seeing what can be offered, I think, in the next couple months. They think they just need to be gradually bringing it down so they can kind of track who's actually going to be at the meet, who's going to be there. Because when the athletes get there, they, they book their tickets by qualifying. I'm, I'm going. I fortunately know most of my family is going. Um, but I also know that they paid a price for the tickets that is probably going to be quite different um, than when we get to the actual meet, hopefully. And for the athlete's perspective, hopefully these seats are packed. Like for the sport of swimming, that'd be that'd be huge. I think anyone gets more. Well, I wouldn't say anyone, but I know I get more excited when you see an electric environment and lean into that. And yeah, it's it's a little nervous, but nerves just mean you care, and your body doesn't differentiate between excitement and nerves. And if you can blend those together and make that as one, um, and just recognize this as excitement, then your outcome is going to be a little bit better, if not a lot better. So, and I think it'll just be. Better for the sport of swimming, for the future generations too. If they can have more people in there, you know, Hubie Koss, uh, there was a really cool, 
unique aspect in an in, in infographic or picture or video. I don't exactly know where it was, but he was at the World Championships when he was just a wee little lad. And uh, he's just like third, maybe like 10 or third, I don't even know, eight, six, whatever it is. But now he's the world champion. And now he's the world champion. And that's pretty incredible to see. Like, you know, you see those storybook moments and to see those aspects of these athletes actualizing these dream accomplishments and he got to do it like he's he's one of them living it now and you know to to have that inspiration that fuel i'm not going to say it was all because of being at the world championships but it plays a part you can't deny that it was a part of his journey part of his process and an experience that he'll never never not have um he'll always have for the rest of his life and now he'll be a world champion for the rest of his life Certified Savage Bar right there. So, Hubie, congrats on the World Championship. And also, wholesome moment of the meet, being at the World Championships and then winning the World Championships. Folks, you don't see that every day. You don't see that. So, that's my kind of thoughts on the Olympic trials tickets. Not too in-depth. I think it's just very simply put, they're too expensive right now. And if we want to value viewership and engagement for the sport, we need to put that at the forefront. So... There's that. Now we get to some unpopular opinions for me. Just going to go through these pretty quick. Unpopular opinion number one. Graders, best ice cream in the world. Undefeated. No chance there's a refute there. Waffles, better than pancakes, but not but. And waffles better than pancakes. And the average pancake is better than the average waffle, though. So take that for what you will. Stevie Wonder, not blind. Faking it. Totally faking it. If you want, if you're questioning me, if you're wondering, if you're astonished right now, if you're laughing at me on, on the other side, on your drive to the to the swim workout, when you get to your swim workout, just get on YouTube and Google Stevie Wonder catching falling microphone on stage. So there's that. I'll let you. I'll let you do this, the Google wormhole search on that one. Pineapple goes on pizza. Pineapple goes on pizza. And for the people in the back again, pizza should have pineapple on it. So, and then also, an un, I feel like it's a semi-unpopular opinion, um, backwards hats, better look than forwards hats. Slowly realizing I need a haircut and I need to have a backwards hat on right now with this rock-a-doodle um, flow I got going on. But yeah, much more of a backwards hat person. Um, and then Arizona tap water, I think this is pretty, pretty common for Arizonians, uh, but for anyone outside the state doesn't understand until they have it. So those are essentially just a couple of the unpopular opinions I have. If you want to hear more, let me know. But for now, I think that's sufficient. Um, so we'll go into some of our our more known segments, I'd say. You know, um, just you might know I'm a starting quarterback in the league. Kirk Cousins, take it away. You like that. You like that. You like that. So what you like that that I had recently was um, Brent Rudemiller, the former, I think former at this point, I think he stepped down and has a different role, but former CEO of Swimming World uh, sent me a, a video link uh, from an interview I had from when I was about 14 or 15 years old, I think my freshman year of high school following high school state at Ohio, uh, the hub of the universe, Canton, Ohio, McKinley High School, 
um, most electric state meet there is, like hands down. Um, if you haven't been, get there uh, before it breaks down, uh, even though they've just put some renovations into it. But electric meet, very exciting as a, as a young swimmer and for any high school swimmers going there. Uh, Godspeed. And certainly one of the most exciting meets you'll have in your entire life. I can promise you that, especially your first couple years. But he sent me an interview I did with uh, Jeff Cummings uh, on the morning uh, on the morning swim show on the morning show Swimming World uh, with them, and it was it was unique. You know, I'm on the podcast now. Maybe that was the precipice to make me start that. I don't know. I'll have to check with Kyle. But what his ideas or thoughts or if that had any influence. But really cool to see the dynamic and just like a proud moment of you know where I came from and then where I'm at now and to be having a podcast. Uh, you know, over 50 episodes in. And really trying to give back to what I received and help uplift me so much, you know, from Swimming World um, and seeing people like Brett Hawk now um, and also just a lot of influences. But just to kind of reflect on the last 10 years, 10 years now, like that's 10 plus maybe um, 15 to 25 or 20, 25 to 14, whatever it was at the time. But really unique to see like a decade of time and just the transition of, you know, seeing myself in the camera here and then hearing myself and just seeing the changes and just understanding, you know, in those glimpses and those moments from A to B, just seeing the invisible thread again, like we talked about earlier, really just connecting those and just getting to relive a lot of memories. So that was a cool one. That was my you like that uh, of the week. Um, And then lane line ratings. I'm going to rate this one a 10 out of 10. Uh, it's from the from the eldest swim bro, and it was a, a, rem, a reminder that he gave to me uh, recently in the last month. And I said it as a reminder that night. I don't know if it was a text or if it was over call, what it was in person. But he just said, acknowledge the small wins. So every day, 7 p.m., a reminder comes up on my phone, and it says, make sure to acknowledge the small wins, small victories. And then dash Kyle. And it's always just a great reminder of what you can accomplish in the day. Some days they're big. Some days they're, they're very, very small. Um, you know, just going through the day with a positive mindset. Maybe that's it. That was it yesterday for me. And, you know, really executing like, did I do the best in practice? No. But did I focus on what I needed to? Yep. And that was a win. That's a win. I cooked a full day of meals. That was a win. Meal prep. That was a win read 10 pages and three books, big wins, uh, reading one big win, starting my CSCS for certified strength conditioning trainer. Um, win, win, just getting on the process, putting it off for a long time and really trying to string days together. And to quote, uh, another Jim Browerism, uh, my former coach and great mentor at St. Xavier high school as well. Uh, never had him for math, but wish I did wish I did have you for math Jimbo. But uh, just stringing days, stringing days of these small wins. And if you fall off, folks, if you get four days in, well, you know you can go four again. So make it eight next time. And then when you get to eight, make it 20. After 20, all right, you had 20 days. Good on you. Good on you, mate. And uh, go on for 30, whatever it is. Then the next one, 31. 31 and a half after that. After that, you get to the end of the year and you realize you've got a pretty big thread that you can look back on as evidence of improvement in action. So I think that's really incredible. I think that's really unique. Um, and it's uh, been an aspect that I've really leaned on a lot. So 
I uh, appreciate you, Kyle, always and forever. And uh, just a note to everyone, remember the small wins. Remember the small wins in life. So I think that's really important. I think that's really uh, a takeaway that everyone can do. And I'd say my hot take, my hot take this week. You know, the Olympic trial tickets were pretty pretty hot, but I'm, I'm going to go with this. You know, I watched the Reds play last night. I watched Graham Ashcraft. Um, you can change the, the letter on the third, the third letter in that his last name to, to something else to, to basically exemplify what I actually think of the dude um, for how well he can or can't play. But last night he was dealing. He was dealing with the with the Angels. Um, you know, gave up three runs uh, pretty early on, two back to back actually, so pretty atrocious. And then just Kyle turned. I, I mean, he t- sent me the text. Is it is it facts now that Kyle is an instant performance in, increaser for the Cincinnati Reds? It's he's batting a thousand there, one to one. But send me a picture, so I'm tapping into the to the to the game now. I'm watching. I'm locked in. He was on Swamp Kings. I gotta check that one out. Uh, one of my friends sent me a video that it was. I think that might be a you like that or a lane line rating coming up here on the next episode, but. Looked electric. These guys going to lift weights at 2 a.m. rather than going out to the clubs. Yeah, club club swole. That's that's where I want to be at. But, yeah, uh, my hot take. Reds are making the playoffs. Reds are making the playoffs. And, and they're going to win a game. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. So, they're going to win a game. They're not just going to make the playoffs. Maybe it'll be a wild card. They're going to win their playoff game. They're going to put Abbott on the mound. They're going to deal. They're going to bring Hunter Green in as a reliever because they're not taking any chances. They've got Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, TJ Friedel, and they're going to roll. They're going to roll. I'm confident. We just got to get past the Brew Crew. They decimated us. But hot take is Graham Ashcraft dealt 10 straight strikeouts last night. Absurd. That's got to be some record after giving up three home runs. And then the Reds. I just have confidence. They're a fun team to watch. You know, even if they don't make the playoffs, this is still going to be a scorching hot take because everyone's just always against Ohio, but Ohio against the world. And uh, that's my hot take. So I uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it gets you to practice, maybe on the way back home too. But I've enjoyed spending my time with all of you and looking forward to more episodes, more listeners. We are going to have uh, a re-release of our best episode coming out soon with the PFT commenter, Barstool Sports, folks. So get your oven mitts ready because that was a scorching, scorching episode. Uh, one of our all-time favorites. Uh, we're going to get Matty Martins, Matt Martinez, former coach at the Pink Dolphins in Australia. Shout out. And then California Berkeley and now current assistant coach at the Wisconsin Wisconsin. Badgers. So very exciting to have him on. Looking forward to it. Uh, a great, great friend of mine, ASU alumni. Shout out, Forks Up. Um, Devil Badgers. The Devil Badgers connection is strong. So going to have him on. Going to get uh, newly anointed Louisville assistant coach uh, Trevor Maida on the podcast as well. And uh, we're going to see if we can get a couple other uh, young up and coming coaches on here too see what uh see what they're moving and shaking in the world of swimming but for now hope you enjoyed the episode thank you thank you for listening leave a five-star review 
Um, go to the link tree in any of my accounts if you want to check out what I'm doing, uh, any sponsorships I'm doing as well. Check out Erica Biney for some DNA wellness testing and improve your health as well as your performance in swimming, in life, parenting, whatever it may be. Um, I think health is the biggest commodity we have in life, and you can always invest in your health. So, But for now, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your swim practice. Enjoy whatever you have on the docket after listening to this. But thanks for listening. Live life daily. 